Welcome to Forecasting Crew, where we... Hey, settle down. Come on. We have to get through a lot today. And Jason, Jason, are you listening? Okay, now, who can tell me what 2004 film based on a nonfiction advice book grossed $24 million on its opening weekend on a $17 million budget, reinvented the high school movie for the 21st century, and smoothed the divide between brash, dark, irony-laced comedies and smart, good-natured satires with an earnest consciousness tempered by a metatextual understanding of pop culture's effect on the larger society? Anybody? What about you? Potter. Oh, Okay, you, How Alex. Are we? Should we? You can reveal my identity. Are we supposed to be in character? Or that's like, it. That's as far as I got. I am so intimidated right now. Wow. Way to just come out guns blazing. Well, this is Full Cast and Crew, the movie podcast that does all kinds of fun, cool things with movies. My name's Jason, and we're joined this week with our first two-time repeat guest. Yes. Our colleague Alex Potter. Alex was a guest on our also Lindsay Lohan starring 1998 <laughs> Disney's The Parent Trap episode all the way back in November of 2018. Simpler times. The setup has evolved we since evolved. then. We have a lot of new segments. Oh, I didn't bring the TV uh, guide. Well, That's okay. I'll have to go I forgot my homework. Oh, my God. <laughs> got our homework you. already. We know who Alex was. Oh, man. <laughs> now, Alex, this time you didn't send around a little quiz like, which mean girl are you? Or what mean girl catchphrase do you best represent? When we did the parent trap, you sent around a quiz that unfortunately none of us could take <laughs> to decide which Nancy, Nancy Myers, Myers kitchen, kitchen. you are. Um, well, I think maybe we can all just discuss whether we're a Karen, <laughs> Gretchen, or a Regina. Mm. Chris? Or a Katie. Chris is kind of a Katie. Chris is more of a um, Janice. Ooh. Oh, right? I'll take it. Or maybe, what's her friend's name? Uh, the guy? Damien. Yeah. Damien. Damien. So, Mean Girls. Alex, your suggestion. It was. Is this an important movie in your young life? How old were you when this came out? 2004. I was... 15. Less. 10. 13. Oh, so you were 12. perfectly in the I demographic. Yeah, I was 12. It's an R-rated film, I believe. No, No, really? it was PG-13, only because I, oh, I read right. a few things that they were cutting and changing in order to right. get Right, director had a battle with the MPAA and one Fascists. Through accusing them of being hypocrites because Anchorman had just right. come out oh. and was also rated PG-13. And Anchorman was PG-13? Wow. And there was a scene where I think Will Ferrell had an erection or referred to an erection. Mm-hmm. And he said, and they wanted to rate it R because of the scene at the very end where the student comments about her wide vagina. And he said, oh, so a woman mentions her anatomy and all of a sudden it's got to be rated R. Right. And they let it through. So Alex, you were in the Target demo at the time. Yeah, I was 12. I saw it in theaters. Do you remember it being marketed to you prior to going to see it? Not really. Or was it like your parents took you? Or no, I definitely you went, with, went your friends. with my friends to Park Lane Mall in Reno, which is no longer exists. They demolished it. R.I.P. Um, like so much of our childhood. <laughs> we used to like, you know, have our moms drop us off. We'd go to the movies and then wander around the mall and then they'd come Love pick it. us up. So fun. But I don't really remember much aside from that about seeing it in theaters. What I remember is just that Mean Girls for probably the rest of my teenage girl experience that was like the movie that you watched. If you had a sleepover, if you had friends over. For sure. Mean Girls is like, if you're my age, it, it doesn't even matter if you like it or don't like it. You've seen it 10 times. Yeah, right. Well, I had never seen it before. Chris, have you seen Me it neither. before? I am so I mean, I felt like I had just because of the number of memes yeah. and quotes and references, which are almost ubiquitous. like Greek mythology. They're right? so ubiquitous. You don't even realize where they're coming from. The penny finally dropped for me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> now I understand Ariana Grande's thank you next video. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Never understood that before. That's where the limit does not exist. The limit That's, does not yep. exist. 
uh, all the memes, all the catchphrases that it spawned. And so I was excited to see it because doing this podcast, I feel like now I realize it's kind of a treat to be able to see things that turn out to be great the first time. Yeah. And I've had that experience a few times. This was definitely one of them. Loved it. Yay. I know Alex is probably so afraid. We don't, we don't <laughs> have <laughs> terrified. Just right. you on our hand. Until, Until the <laughs> gavel hits. We rule it worthy. <laughs> Thank God. Now she's gonna now she's gonna relax and I'm be not herself. Gonna get fired. <laughs> How many years after Parent Trap did this come out? Only six years. Wow. Parent Trap was ninety eight, right? We've said it before. And then she was a preternaturally talented, mm-hmm. fully blown. Movie star in this movie, particularly far beyond where she was in Parent Trap in terms of subtlety, comedic timing, her ability to portray so many different modes of what's going on in her young teenage life. Incredible mm-hmm. performance. Really impressed by her again. It's also such a, you know, I guess with uh, Parent Trap, because there are two performances that she does, it's yeah. a little bit hard to gauge. But this is such a different kind of character, especially, you know, it's hard for me to separate what we know about her as a person and her life yeah. as it's now. Now, as it's. <laughs> as listen, let's hold out turns. Hope. Let's hold out. Sure. You know, listen. I mean, this is in there. This talent is in there. It doesn't go away. I, I think you could probably destroy it. She's in Ibiza now. Maybe. Uh, She's I not didn't in Ibiza. Th- She's in Greece. Or did you watch Nikonos, the show? I, I didn't watch it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I did not watch the show. I just assumed because it had to do with DJs and partying. I was like, that it was must Ibiza. be Ibiza. No, Ibiza's so 2010. It's just down the road in Yeah, Mykonos. well, it's all about Mykonos now. So it's 1988? Yes. Everything old <laughs> everything, is new again. Everything right. old is new again. Which is very much part of this movie, how cyclical things can be. This is Tina Fey's first screenplay, adapted from a completely serious, almost scholarly tome by Rosalind Wiseman about the lives of teenage girls. Yes. Tina Fey called Lorne Michaels and said, I think this would be a really good movie. And to Lorne Michaels' credit, he he backed it. I guess, you know, Tina was probably at the peak of her SNL powers at the time. I wanted to look this up. Does Tina Fey have one of those $800 million Netflix content creator deals? Because she damn well should. I mean, she did have Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which I know is finished. Great show. I know she has Mean Girls, did the musical on Broadway. Did you guys watch Wine Country? Did she which one? do that? Wine Country on Netflix. It just came out. Oh, I heard that was really funny. I liked it. But I was reading that Tina Fey had a smaller role in it because she's so busy. Well, at least on her Wikipedia page, it says that in 2016... She signed a Universal Pictures two-year first-look production deal. But, I mean, how many hilarious series and movies does this woman have to create before someone like Netflix says, we need you to be exclusive to us? Because between Kimmy Schmidt, 30 Rock, this movie, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to name other people that have made so much successful commercial content that often has... Something to say. Of course, it's also possible that she doesn't want to be uh, hemmed in. She's gotten some criticism recently, and I don't think she was very receptive to it. About what? I mean, you probably noticed that Mean Girls hasn't aged super well. In what way? A lot of the jokes are like, look, these girls are Korean. Isn't that funny? Which is very Tina Fey of the time. Mm -hmm. I I didn't take those as like pejorative per se. You wouldn't see that these days. I guess. But it's also just true to the cliques that would exist in high school. And I thought kind of ballsy for saying things like black girls who won't talk to you or the other little brilliant one sentence synopses of the cliques as they go through the lunchroom. I thought they were all very funny and on point. So... You know, I, I, I get now we're looking back and we're... I'm sort of straddling the two because I could see a lot of that. Shocker. 
Well, you know, I, I mean, you're going to hesitate to take a firmly uh, grounded position one way or the other. No, well, if it was a firmly so grounded position, <laughs> I would take it. But as far as like just sort of a strong one, I saw some of that stuff and thought it was a little bit uncomfortable. And yet I don't think anybody's calling for her to no, put, I don't like, think cancel culture, which is yeah. Jason yeah, and I were Chris talking about and I are very down. Week. I don't know if you're down with Tati and V. James. We, we know a lot about that. Oh, but um, I know about Tati and James. <laughs> Let's talk about that. We used your <laughs> thoughts last week in our own conversation. Uncredited. No, no. Did give her credit. I just no, heard no, myself I cut them out. No, no, I, I heard it. <laughs> I said our colleague Alex was wondering why Tati B. Oh. James is the All first. Right, I meant to cut it out. So yeah, we're past that now. But also besides the race stuff, I thought there was also the, the coach making out with the girls. Yeah, I right. Mean, that was another one. I guess the thing that I found most jarring in the 20, with my 2019 goggles on, to use a term that I was called in high school uh, in a hurtful manner. Oh no. no. <laughs> I don't you think know. it's goggles. I think he's, coming, he's working up to it. Oh. No, it's goggles. <laughs> yeah. Is that really? Well, it's called goggles, grain brain, missile silo. Bunch of, those I had heard. All yeah. a bunch of hurtful Grain term. brain. That's creative. Yeah. Sort of creative, yeah. <laughs> silo. My last name is Silo, so grain is stored in a silo, so no, grain no, we brain. we get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you thought this was strange, Alex. I said this to my wife last night. One jarring note to me was the overtly sexual manner in which these high school girls are portrayed in the movie. I mean, there's a lot of boobs. It's not like a... Um, it's not like a uh, what's a, what's the stupid movies with all the cars and the rock and the Vin Diesel. It's not like a Fast oh, and Furious. Just... You know, like a Fast and Furious. There's always like just for no reason, like some girls like dancing on a table and you can like see her underwear just because right. that's the movie we're going to see here. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't go there, but there's a lot of wardrobe between the, the mean girls themselves which for high school feels weird. Well, I think there's two two reasons for that. The first is 2004. That is what people were wearing. The second thing is that I feel like there's two different kinds of teen movies. There's the kind of teen movie where all of the actors are actually like 23. Right. And this falls in that category. Yes. And then there's the actual teen movie starring teens, which sure. this was not. Okay, so when you have the former which mm -hmm. this is, is it sort of like titillation for the male audience? That's what I don't really get because it's not really attracting a male audience in design. But you didn't think that that was like thematic? Because I thought I was surprised at how overtly feminist it was yeah. in terms of blaming yes. a culture that is pushing sexuality in younger and younger kids. Yeah. The most obvious being the, the Halloween. Uh, besides the Halloween, I was yeah. thinking of the uh, oh, Regina's brilliant. little sister. <laughs> yeah. brilliant. And the sort of build it. It's a great, oh it's a great gag. And also I think Amy Poehler's so mother good. character, like sort of the awkward word overlap mm -hmm. anytime that, that the actresses seemed overly sexualized by their clothing. It seemed like it was part of that. It just struck me as a little odd because it's like it's a movie for teenage girls at the time it comes out. Mm -hmm. okay. Did girls dress like that in high school in 2004? I mean, maybe, I guess. I'm just not sure that really would have held the day. So it just sounded like an odd choice. Yes, in a movie that does have this sort of like, hey, let's stop female on female crime. Let's be uplifting and supportive of each other. Also has this strange costuming. <laughs> with 24-year-old female bodies very much on display. And I didn't hear anybody in any of the things I could find kind of addressing that. It'd be a curious question. Yeah. yeah. But I think maybe you're right, like teen movies of the time, I guess I that's the trope of it. 2004, like, that yeah. is just kind of what people were wearing. Well, and also you said you saw it when you were 13. Right. Because I always think that characters are always a little bit older than the target audience. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I think of my nieces who are tweens love to watch things about high school. Right. When I sure. was in high school, wanting to watch things about college, college. or young adult. Everybody's always looking up. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if maybe it's an attempt to make yeah. it seem more glamorous, more sophisticated. Let's play an introductory clip here. We're going to meet the plastics. Why don't I know you? 
I'm new. I just moved here from Africa. What? I used to be homeschooled. Wait, what? My mom taught me at home. No, no, I know what homeschool is. I'm not retarded. So you've actually never been to a real school before? Shut up. Shut up! I didn't say anything. Homeschooled. That's really interesting. Thanks. You're like really pretty. Thank you. So you agree? What? You think you're really pretty? Oh, I don't know. Oh my god, I love your bracelet. Where did you get it? Oh, my mom made it for me. It's adorable. Oh, it's so fetch. What is fetch? Oh, it's like slang from England. So if you're from Africa, why are you white? Oh my god, Karen, you can't just ask people why they're white. Could you give us some privacy for like one second? Yeah, sure. Okay, you should just know that we don't do this a lot, so this is like a really huge deal. We want to invite you to have lunch with us every day for the rest of the week. Oh, it's okay. Coolness. So we'll see you tomorrow. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. So, Alex, is this true about the way women do combat with each other? No, not really. Why? I, I mean, <laughs> well, then what's the whole point of the goddamn movie? Why aren't we discussing it's, it's uh, Tarkovsky's as a stalker? Because, you know, Tina Fey says that line but you're so pretty. Oh, thank you. So you agree. You think you're pretty. That, that trap. she mm -hmm. took from her own high school experience and said that was the currency of her high school girl interactions. Mm, that's fair. I guess Reno was a little different. We were all nice to each other. Because you never know when you're going to have to ask somebody, like, hey, can yeah. you spot me five bucks or else they're going to break I my lost legs? my shoes. Yeah. Exactly. There's also like a generational difference. You know, like Tina Fey is like yeah. closer to our age. I wonder how much things change. I can't imagine anything has changed in high school. I don't know. Probably not. I mean, a lot of this did look really similar to Heather's. Very similar yeah. to Heather's. The difference with this and Heather's is this has a solution at yeah. the end. Yeah. The whole concept of frenemies is very real. Hating your best friends. <laughs> So, okay, yeah. I guess you do find some, <laughs> some truth in that. That and the claiming of boyfriends and like, I'm not allowed to talk to this person. Yeah. I think that's real. Now, I saw that Aaron is the host of Cake Wars. Is that like because the moms, people who watch this movie are like moms and now are watching Cake Wars. So he's like the man candy. How does that happen? Yeah. I thought he was really, really good. I was sort of surprised that he, a Came lot of out. people in this had sort of shorter careers than I, I would It have is surprising that thought. he didn't, he yeah. kind of went. But he's one of those teen handsome guys. Yeah, yeah. he kind of went now on he to looks, do the least. I mean, so many weird. of these people went on to do a lot of stuff. But he's also in Aria Grana's video and he looks pretty much the same. He looks great, I think. I mean, he hasn't aged a day. I want to just play a little of the beginning because it has all the funny references to the movie parts here. One time on Twitter, I heard Ariana was pregnant, so I got pregnant so we could be pregnant at the same time. Turns out it was just a rumor. Ariana Grande told me my hair looks sexy pushback. She's not wrong. Ariana broke off an engagement, so I found a guy to propose to me, and I broke off an engagement. I heard she's a lesbian now and dating some chick called Aubrey. It's fucking sick. I heard if you record her snoring and play it backwards, it sounds like Fantasia. Ariana says, honest to God, knock me out. So I decided to punch myself in the face. It was awesome. She was moved by Mean Girls. Because she's my age, almost. Almost, huh? Really? Not quite, but... Well, she was on Nickelodeon 
forever. Oh, true. What was she on Nickelodeon? She was on um, Victorious, and then she was on Sam, a spinoff called Sam and Cat. Hmm. What's funny is I oh Sam and Cat is one that held the drama, remember? Yeah, the, um, huge drama. What was Sam and Cat's drama? Jealousy, man. It happens now. Oddly, the director of Mean Girls, Mark Waters, is the brother of yes. screenwriter Daniel Waters, who wrote Heather's, which is a little weird. Why didn't they just get Daniel Waters to direct the damn movie? <laughs> Uh, I couldn't find any quotes of them talking about each other's movie, so I wonder there's a little static. Because, I mean, this is the Heathers for a new generation. It's not as biting to me as Heathers is, but it has those Tina Fey brilliant little splashes of comedic darkness throughout. But they're small compared to the ending, which is sort of <laughs> earnest without being saccharine, having, I forget the name of Tina Fey's character, but having Ms. that Ms. Norbury. Ms. Norbury talking to them in this sort of happy endings that everybody gets shepherded towards, and that utopian vision of the high school without clicks. Sure, but you do then think that the main protagonist has been run over by a bus and killed and other darkness spoilers for people. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and that's how she dies. Well, but they, but she but they don't. But they know. Tina Fey was great. You know what I, uh, the detail that I really liked was uh, Tina Fey's character having to have the second job the oh, scene yeah. at the mall. Yeah. yeah, you know, my third job is yeah, I have bartend to uh, bartend it. Like, and it was also like PJ Apocalypse. PJ Calamities. PJ <laughs> Calamities. And she also had all the uh, flair, yep. like from Office, little yeah. Office Space shout out. That was really, that was depressing. pieces of flair. She's like, here with my boyfriend. Just kidding. <laughs> She's like, Tim Meadows, I thought was great. I mean. He was good. I could see him like trying to have a serious. He's good. You know, he's just so reliably good. I thought he killed every scene he was in in this movie. He's yeah, hilarious he's as the principal. His deadpan is great. He's great with Tina. Tim Meadows, who understandably the studio wasn't turning handstands at the concept of like a Tim Meadows role because he had been in some terrible other SNL spinoff film based on one of his characters, The Ladies Man. So they were like, ah, you sure you want to go with Tim? But he did great. Yeah, he but I really funny. They wanted to stay away from all the Saturday Night Live. People, yeah. Like both. Well, the movie Amy track record Polar. is not good. Oh, well, I think <laughs> for Saturday Night Live. Anyway, the, the movie, this movie that we're talking about is really not good. <laughs> no, no, this movie is great, yeah. but I'm, uh, I wanted to look up other films where Lorne Michaels is an executive producer mm. and see if any of them are any good, because I'm going to bet you there really aren't that many. Yeah. Unless you happen to be an Adam Sandler fan, which I respect the hustle, but it's not my, <laughs> it's not my jam. For some reason, I think Lorne Michaels rigged this. When you click on Lorne Michaels as an executive producer, it just IMDb just freezes. I, my Wi-Fi <laughs> so is not working. I think, I think that <laughs> might be okay. Here are the at. movies. What looks good here? So the first spinoff. Let's get past here. The first spinoff from SNL, Three Amigos. Haven't seen it. Classic though. Apparently, Alex. Mm -mm, never seen it. Wayne's World, iconic. Yeah, I think that would count. Have seen it. Coneheads. Not great. Not great. Wayne's World 2. Not great. Tommy Boy. You skipped over Lassie. Lassie? Was Lassie a Saturday Night Live spinoff? No. Lassie did some great satiric work on SNL. Yeah. I don't know if you saw <laughs> some of his work there. Black Sheep. I mean, again, there's going to be people who love Black Sheep, who yeah. love Tommy Boy, or Night at the Roxbury. Speaking That's of Chris Kattan, who's desperately trying to make news every week now. Enigma, about the breaking of the Enigma code in World War II, he produced that. Now, was that a Saturday Night Live property? <laughs> yes, that was an Adam Sandler sketch. <laughs> yeah, it ended up being Dugray Scott and Kate Winslet and Jeremy Northam, but it was originally supposed to be Will Ferrell, Chris Kattan, and Molly Shannon. Baby Mama? That's Baby a funny Mama, movie. It was funny, but I don't know if it was like that yeah. good. Amy Poehler. She's hilarious in Mean Girls. I mean, her performance in Mean Girls is she's the best great. thing about it. Like, she is hands down not best only the best thing about actress, the movie. 
I think so. What? Like, I think that her performance is just so fun and she's like two energetic. Yeah. And she's freaking great. She but also great. the writing of it, I thought was really pointed. Well, I guess you would have been a big fan for Mean Moms, which I would apparently <laughs> is an aborted sequel to Mean Girls. Well, that. was she really? going to be in it? I thought it was just going to be Jennifer Aniston. Well, I guess it was Jennifer Aniston when announced. And then I don't know why. I mean, like right now, it seems like it'd be a great time yeah. to put that out. Well, they just did Bad Moms, right? But I think like Mean Moms sounded more school moms like a, a mother gets involved in the moms right. at the PTA I'd right because that. that also is based on Rosalind Wiseman's yes. queen bee moms and kingpin dads dealing with the parents teachers coaches and counselors who can make or break your child's future uh, well here's hoping it still happens as of May yeah. 2015 it's supposedly still happening um, I will be there here's a little Amy Poehler for you Chris the best thing in the movie Really nice. I know, right? Make sure you check out your mom's boob job. Their heart is rocks. I'm home. Hey, Kylie. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. How are my best girlfriends? Hey, Mrs. George. This is Katie. Hello, sweetheart. Hi. Welcome to our home. I want you to know, if you need anything, don't be shy, okay? There are no rules in this house. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. <laughs> right, Regina? Please stop talking. Okay. Lindsay's quality, so good. Not quality. Lindsay is great. Yeah, her innocence is amazing and very deft in the scenes. I mean, the subtlety of her looks, her little asides, her confusions. Her reaction to getting mashed against the rock hard. <laughs> yeah, the rock hard breasts fake breasts. I heard that in the later scene where the dog is eating one of her fake boobs, that Amy Poehler had a cocktail wiener <laughs> stuck into her bra. <laughs> That's how they make movie magic. You know, uh, my first Law & Order I did with a dog and the dog trainer, like they have two dogs, right? And it was supposed to be a St. Bernard that was supposed to jump up on me. Did it have one of those whiskey bottles on its neck? It didn't. Oh. If it did, maybe when on the weekends when, right. it, when it goes skiing when or whatever. it does its other job. <laughs> but, uh, but no, when it's on this job, I was like, no, this has to be, it was supposed to jump on me. Like a tacky hour. No, because I played a dog groomer who goes in and finds like blood all over the floor and it turns oh, out. Oh, were you that, in like oh. the opening intro scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got so it. And then up. were you like opening the door and doing like other dialogue or were you just by yourself? No, open, talking to like, I was like, yeah, talking so to the other dog no. Oh my god! And what then the dog is supposed to jump up on, jump up on me. I'm like, oh hey, covered in blood. Mm -hmm. Ooh! But the dog like wouldn't do it, and it took us hours. And I, when you talk about the cocktail weenie thing, dog trainer kept yeah. blaming me. It's like you're obviously scared of the dog. It's like fuck you, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, dude. My fault that you didn't train your dog. But it did resort to. I took Food. a hot dog and was like. Oh my all, God. Like a magic marker all over me, Ew. trying to get it to jump on me because we were hours. We'd be like, okay, instead of having it jump on you, maybe if it goes towards you, like, we'll, we'll see if we can do that. And I'd be like, come on, dog. And like, I would be reaching to like pet the dog, but then it would at the last second turn away. Don't work with dogs. Did it turn out that the dog was the murderer? Well, spoiler for, I guess, 2004's uh, episode based on Martha Stewart or something. Uh, no, no, it was not I the was dog, it was the actual person. Up. Let's do some alternative casting for Mean Girls because it's kind of interesting how much like life itself, for these girls, they were all in competition with each other for the same set of resources. Right. Yes. Put that one back. It's hard to imagine other people because all of, I mean, Rachel McAdams is Rachel McAdams now. Lacey Chabert is like Hallmark queen. 
Yeah. Amanda Seyfried did Mamma Mia, but she has kind of a weird career. I she think. does. So Lindsay obviously at first wanted to play Regina George right. because she'd been coming off things like Parent Trap and had been the goody two shoes. And of course, you know, you see this role and that's the one you want. But Rachel McAdams was not a believable Katie Heron because she was already, to hear the director tell it, like a fully blown movie star herself. So she had done... Uh, the Notebook. She was well. She was in the midst of she filming the, the Notebook. notebook. Oh, I was going to say, didn't that yeah. come out after? And she, but she already had a career. She which, had a career before. You know, if we're going to talk gossip. You know, apparently this was a, something of a bone of contention between Lindsay and Rachel McAdams because oh. Rachel McAdams just had more of a career. Yeah. And so Lindsay was a little bit intimidated. But I don't know if it was Tina Fey or Mark Waters who thought it was useful to have that dynamic. Yes. Well, they said that Rachel wouldn't talk to Lindsay. Not being mean, but she's just professional. Yeah. Right. Used to being on sets, coming in, preparing, doing her lines. Where's my blocking? And Lindsay was a little more new, I guess. Right. She had done so much, though. She had just done Freaky Friday, right? With Mark Waters. With Mark Waters. Lindsay is great in Freaky Friday. I haven't as seen well. Freaky it's Friday. Great. Well, the director said that it wasn't so much that Lindsay couldn't play the Rachel McAdams part. It was more that Rachel McAdams wasn't really believable in the Lindsay part. I could see that. But the only other person that they really thought could be Regina George was Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. But they said she played it differently and gave it almost a weird ethereal quality. Yes. She like yeah, wasn't she ha- threatening. She, she was that. more like disturbing. But that's, I think, a good a switch. I would love that's to see that movie. screen test. So once you have those three and Lacey. And Lacey. Lacey Chabert, mm-hmm. who people of my generation, it's weird. I had to remember that it was her because in my mind, she's still a small child appearing in Party of Five. Right. Oh. Like mm-hmm. that's way before your time, Alex. But that's how we knew her, which was got to be a guy. That's got to be early 90s, mid 90s, right? Yeah. When the hell's Party of Five? Yeah. 94, 94 to, 2000. to 2000. Claudia Salinger. Like that's picking up the torch that uh, Beverly Hills 90210 had laid down. Party of Five. Five white children. How will they survive in the world when all the decks are stacked against I them, mean, Chris? I mean, you also call them orphans, right? Like, well, isn't the whole thing that, like, their parents are dead and they're sure, living at home without I mean, adult supervision? Yeah, but they got Matthew Fox, you know. And I, was he an adult in that? Well, he's the oldest. Wow, I'm reading the synopsis. I can't believe I've never seen this. This is so yeah. far up my alley. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This was, like, one of the great sort of cheesy hand-wringing. And it gave us Jennifer Love Hewitt. Jennifer Love Hewitt, Jeremy London. It's like a grown-up version Campbell. of the Boxcar Children. What's the Boxcar Children? <laughs> the hell is that? Yeah, maybe a, it's not before you. Maybe it's after you. What are you, a 105? <laughs> boxcar. It's a series of children's novels about these, like, orphans what? that live in a boxcar. Is this a Mormon thing or something? Maybe. I just made are Alex, you a Mormon? I just made Alex a Mormon. <laughs> Reno. Reno. There's yeah, well-known. Gambling and Mormons. Like clean living. Right? I was raised amongst the Mormons. It's true. Raised where? Boxcar Children? Yeah. Wait. Published in 1924. (laughs) I love the boxcar children. In 1924, they're like, oh, this is a thing that's happening. So they traveled the country as hobos? No, 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 the boxcar, I don't think. Or they lived in a boxcar. They lived in the boxcar. I don't think the boxcar was moving anymore. Here's a weird thing. So director Mark Waters, he does kind of, I guess, House of Yes. I I haven't heard of that, but I heard that's sort of a uh, cult classic. That was a, an off-Broadway play that he oh, really? got quickly adapted. And it was a pretty, from what I read about it, spoiler for 1990-whatever's House of Yes. It's a thing about incest in a very dysfunctional family in a 90s sort of way. I heard it was a camp classic. Could be. Head Over Heels. I don't know what that is. 
Hmm. Oh, Freddie Prince Jr. vehicle. His name is Freaky Friday. Massive hit, right? Huge. Yeah. Again, we could do the whole Disney original. We this is could. another Alex Potter thing. <laughs> so Freaky Friday Mean Girls. Right? Yeah. That's a pretty heavy one-two punch. But then... Like, kind of nothing, which is weird. Girlfriend's Past was like a... I mean, Bad Matthew McConaughey movie. Right, but I mean, it it happened. Mr. Popper's Penguins. That's a, <laughs> no, that Alex a makes failure. a good point that it did happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of these, though, are Spiderwick like Chronicles, really... Chronicles, that was kind of a big flop. Made in Jersey was canceled, I think, after two airings. Oof. Mr. Popper's Penguins famously popped Jim Carrey's big film career at the time. Just kind of curious that Mark Waters, if you make a movie like Mean Girls and Freaky Friday, you just think that there'd be a lot more going on. Yeah. And then his recent credits, he is directing a Disney movie, Disney's Magic Camp. Oh, that looks like it could be fun. I guess that seems like it's it's. Well, it seems like he's coming back to the Disney kid. Maybe. Did you see hashtag fashion victim? Didn't see that TV movie. No. (laughs) Although now that I'm looking at it, written by... Heather's screenwriter, Daniel Waters. So there goes my whole theory that the two brothers hated each other. Right. Well, this wow. maybe they do again. Maybe they're like, let's see if we can iron this out. And then hashtag fashion victim did not. I actually just success. sent Daniel Waters our Heather's episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He hasn't replied yet. Volcast and crew is brought to you by Out of Jack's Mind, a new comedy short video series from Jack Plotnick co-writer and director of the Sony Pictures feature film Space Station 76 and current recurring guest on Grace and Frankie and Z Nation. Out of Jack's Mind, like and follow at Chuckler Comedy on Facebook or Chuckler.com. Chuckler, original comedy delivered daily. I also loved her parents in Mean Girls, so they're hilarious. Anna Gasteyer, brilliant. That guy has been the dad in everything made in the last 40 years. He's just the dad. (laughs) I haven't seen him in anything else, but then I looked at his thing and he's got like one of those insane. It's, I mean, I know I saw Magnolia, even though I don't remember him in it. You know, I can't see him as anyone but the janitor from Scrubs, though. (laughs) Scrubs. Zach Braff. He has some interesting Instagram habits, I'll tell you that. Zach Zach Braff? Braff? Do tell. He's always um, up in the comments of, like, the 20 to 25-year-old women. Really? He loves to— You mean um, in comments on his own posts? On their posts. Are his comments thirsty? Yes. Really? Oh, yeah. Come on. Thirsty Instagram (laughs) comments. Boy, but, um, you know, he loves a he loves an emoji. Listen, is we're it all in, guilty of loving emojis. Isn't an inappropriate emoji? Well, it's like, I don't know. He's just if a very attractive woman posts an Instagram, Zach Braff is in the comments. Hmm. And, you know, he's not he's, I think, 20 years older than these people. Well, listen, that's Hollywood, man. Maybe he's just young at heart. Like when did Scrub start? 2001. Which is what? No, I just made that up, but I mean, it's got to be close, (laughs) right? I just Googled Scrubs. So you're telling me? Thinking it would come up. I'm looking at hospital Scrubs. Actually, the only guy I liked on Scrubs was the guy that was in- 2001. um, How'd you know that? Whoa, look at that. Savant, hello. (laughs) You know who I liked that was on Scrubs? Donald Faison. Yeah, he's great. Scrubs is a good show. I like it. Hmm. Just, now you've ruined it for me. I just wish that Zach Braff would delete Instagram. That's all. It. As anyone who follows the at full cast and crew Instagram account will know, a lot of these actors and actresses that we reference on the podcast try to creep into the comments. <laughs> Often it happens. We welcome them, but like, we see you, Elaine. We see you, Gabrielle Anwar. You know, it's cool <laughs> that you appreciate the pod.
Wasn't Zach Braff the guy who starred in that ridiculous NBC sitcom last season where the whole premise was he risked it all by packing Jeez, in his job and you, becoming a podcaster? I was about to say, do, what? do not knock Alex 2.0. Oh, God. Because that Stop is, Wait, yes. is this real? That's real. You didn't Listeners, see that? Listeners, you m- might not know that is sort of the business model that we are going Is that on. what it was called? Alex 2.0? Yeah. No, it's called Alex Inc. Alex Inc. Sorry. Alex Inc. I have to play this promo because it was ridiculous. Welcome to the Nerd Factory. Everyone here has ideas they're developing. Those guys are designing a robot that rocks a baby to sleep. Heads up! Coming along, fellas. Why should I invest in your podcast company? It's the Cadillac of podcast companies. Do people use Cadillac as a reference? Listen, what if I start my own podcast company? We have a mortgage and two kids we're required to feed. That's why I'm going to ask Eddie to be my partner. Second cousin Eddie? I believe in this company. That's why I'm putting everything I have into it. You don't have anything. Yeah, but it's all in there. (laughs) He makes highly produced, highly edited pieces. They require equipment and staff and just a little bit of Alex's special sauce. It's my job to get that out of him. You say filthy things without realizing it. I like you. This is a completely normal workplace. Heads up! Whoa. Yeah, whoa indeed. Your dream's about to come true. Should we hug? I feel like maybe we should hug. Okay, quick one with back taps. Oh, me too. My head is spinning. That's a real show. Well, was. I am beside beside myself right now. Well, it did work in startup, if you ever listened to that. That's what the show is. They sold the idea and they turned it, made a fictionalized version. What idea? They did a real life thing about creating, that's what startup was, and they sold then the rights to make a fictionalized version of it in the same way. So they did a podcast about starting a podcast company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sold the story about that to make this short-lived. In the same way that... um, Queen Bees and Wannabes became mm-hmm. Mean Girls. Can I put in a request to the listeners? Whoever watched Alex Inc., please message us. <laughs> there won't be any. I want to know if Not that there exist. aren't any listeners, but there won't be any who watch that. <laughs> no, no, no. Many, many listeners. Many, many listeners. We want to know. One hilarious throwaway moment that I loved in Mean Girls was when she's grounded and her parents are going to the Lady Smith Black Mombazo concert <laughs> and they pull away in the Mach 1 version of the Toyota Prius electric uh-huh. car. Yes, yeah. So good. <laughs> the was, throwaway jokes are brilliant. The line with the, uh, like, she's grounded. Why did she go? Out? Where's Katie? She went out. She's grounded. Are they not allowed out when they're grounded? Or at the end, when Tim Meadows is talking about how they have to search for drugs because Lindsay has accused Tina Fey of pushing drugs. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he, he says, we're searching for marijuana tablets. And then you just hear a kid go, what are marijuana tablets? <laughs> Too good. Did you read about the alternative ending that they didn't film? No. Where in that, that they were going to actually have the teacher get arrested because at some point... Uh, you know, somebody passes some, and it ends up in her desk, which she had confiscated during class. And then Damien takes the fall for it to keep her from getting arrested. Oh my gosh. Uh, Damien's great. Uh, what's his name? Chazelle? No, Franzese. Chazelle? <laughs> Damien um, Chazelle. I just Damien completed. Damien Chazelle was amazing. Daniel Franzese is hilarious. He's yeah, great. he's great. He's I been on a lot of things. Lizzie Kaplan is so great in oh, this. Hilarious. Brilliant. Yeah. His name Janice Ian, of course, Chris, as you'll know, yes. in homage to the 70s singer-songwriter Janice Ian, who was herself an out lesbian, famously, and who wrote the iconic Mean Girls of its time song. It's 17, a brown 
Musical guest on Saturday Night Live. She was. That's oh, correct. Wow. Where she played. But yes. I can't remember. Is it called I'm 17 or is it called 17? That's the extent of It's an amazing song. It. Uh, it's called At 17. And it's essentially. Don't at me. It's essentially the this is the story of Mean Girls. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, exactly. it's a girl who doesn't fit in, comes to find out, love is for the pretty ones. Hey, this is Matt the Engineer. You know the song At 17 by Janice Ian, as Jason just mentioned. Song about not being the beauty queen, not being invited to the parties, not being that image of what society puts on as beauty and success and things of that nature. A very deep topic, very honest topic. Won her a Grammy. Interestingly, her first song, Society's Child, written when she was uh, actually like a teenager, released, I think, in the late 60s, talked about interracial relationships, a very taboo topic at the time. Some radio stations wouldn't even play the song. Interesting stuff with Janice Ian there. Great songwriter and uh, covering some tough topics, too. I wanted to play a little of this four-way call scene because um, I found that to be very hilarious and enjoyable, too can't do that anymore well i guess you can but people don't right yeah and you like you wouldn't make an actual book you can't even make a talk don't even you talk just do it on the internet yeah, you just diss people on the internet right right you just cyberbully you don't need out. a burn book gretchen thinks you're mad at her because she's running for spring fling queen oh my god i'm not mad at her i'm worried about her i think somebody nominated her as a joke or something i mean nobody votes for her she's gonna have a total meltdown and who's gonna have to take care of her me so you don't think anyone will vote for her katie She's not pretty. I mean, that sounds bad, but whatever. The Spring Fling Queen is always pretty. I mean, the crazy thing is, is that it should be Karen, but people forget about her because she's such a slut. Anyway, I gotta go. I'm going to bed. Well, she's not mad at you. Hold on. Are you okay? Hello? If someone says something bad about you, you'd want me to tell you, right? No. What if it was someone you thought was your friend? What do you... Hold on, other line. I'm not taking this anymore. Good for you, Gretchen. Hello? Let's go out. Okay, hold on. I'm on the other line with Gretchen. Don't invite Gretchen. She's driving me nuts. Hold on. Okay, hurry up. It's Regina. She wants to hang out with me tonight, but she told me not to tell you. Do not hang out with her. Why? You don't want me to tell you. Oh, you can tell me. Hold on. Oh, my God. She's so annoying. Who is? Who's this? Gretchen. Right. Hold on. Oh, my God. She's so annoying. I know. Just get rid of her. Okay. What is it? Regina says everyone hates you because you're such a slut. She said that? You didn't hear it from me. A little harsh, Gretch. Whatever, she has a right to know. I can't go out. Uh, uh, I'm sick. Boo, you whore. <laughs> I think 
I'm sick. That became a thing, right? Oh, definitely. Oh, also, I think that was a thing since the boxcar kids came out. <laughs> I mean, you're going to school, you don't feel like going. You're like, Say mom, happy. I'm sick. Say happy. I got a bit of the old black lung <laughs> yeah. from riding on the rails. Oh man! But Alex, to bring it back to Jason's earlier question, how realistic was that? That scene brought me back. Yeah. Just sitting around in your room on the home phone. On the home phone, click, click. But with the trapping of like not telling that there's somebody else on the line. I think I would have gotten yelled at by my parents if I was three way calling you know really? doesn't that shit cost extra money i think you have the line applied to your phone line it doesn't cost you any extra to be on it i don't know by the time i was that age though i was texting they don't have phones in boxcars chris <laughs> the boxcar children I mean, do not yeah. have a phone so can you do that with a dixie cup and a thread like are you able to do they a did it the old thing? tin can and some string <laughs> that's how There's we did it the cutaway to regina's younger sister who yeah. in the first clip was dancing in the living room to the completely inappropriate is it Kellis Keyless milkshake yeah so she's a seven-year-old inappropriately learning these sexualized dance moves then in this four-way call in the beginning there's like a girls gone wild parody video where girls yeah. are flashing their boobs and the young child is learning to flash <laughs> so these are the Tina Fey commentary that she's making about the messages that women get fed yeah mm-hmm. and then brilliantly the way each character is introduced they're obsessively looking at themselves in mirrors Mm -hmm. as Lindsay starts calling all of them. Well, one of my favorite parts is when they're all saying things that they don't like. My, what did she say? Like my calves are huge. And then they all look at at Lindsay Lohan and she doesn't know how to do it because she didn't grow up like that. Yeah. One says, my hairline is weird. My calves are weird. My nail beds suck. My nail beds (laughs) suck. And Tina Fey says that comes from sort of like, that's the degree of scrutiny that young girls put themselves under in order to feel badly about themselves. I can see that with repeated viewings, a lot of that very subtle, quick stuff reveals itself. When I watch it the first time, it's funny because almost two thirds of the movie go by as a pretty typical teen comedy. Mm-hmm. until the final third where shit gets real and you have the lesson, but it's not overwrought. I welcomed it and it actually was kind of moving. Yeah. You know? I was fascinated by the fact that this was a narrative that was made out of like a, an advice or self-help book. Yeah. For some reason, when you say advice book, it makes it sound cheesy. I think it was actually sort of an informed, almost scholarly approach yeah. to the ways in which young girls how to bring up your organize kids themselves in this sort of world and or, the pitfalls right. that they face. And I was thinking of other books that they had done that with, like What to Expect When You're Expecting. Did they make a movie of that? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. With Chris Rock and Brooklyn Decker and Cameron oh. Diaz. You know what was shockingly different from the book is um, the Orange Bible? is the New Black. The oh. Bible also. <laughs> but um, it wasn't a self Never saw book, it. But it was just so different from the TV show. And I, I think But I that is a narrative. Like, that's about her story. And pre- I guess I was fascinated by the fact that, like, there were no actual characters in it. This is yeah. more of, like, a, of a right, scholar right. talking about these are our girls in Dragon. He's just not that into you also. True, yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. Think Like a Man, which was based on Steve Harvey's advice book for ladies called Act Like a Lady and Think Like a Man. Oh, that sounds like terrible advice. The 9-11 Commission <laughs> Report also was dramatized. Yeah, it's kind of, I think the genius of Tina Fey is reading that book and understanding that you could get this out of it. Yeah. That's not obvious source material. Right. And I guess at the time, a lot of the insights for enemies and the sort of passive aggressiveness of the questioning and stuff and the social hierarchies, I think looking at it specifically through how it affects girls and a girl point of view, like we take a lot of that for granted in the 15 years since. Mm -hmm. But at that time, that was probably what struck her thinking like, oh my gosh, here's this dynamic that nobody is talking about. Very ahead of its time. I mean, it's funny that you're saying that whenever or recently she took some criticism for some of the racial or ethnic jokes. However, in 2004, this movie was pretty far ahead of the moment we're in now. I'm curious. I think you went and saw- um, Booksmart. Booksmart. Did you see that? 
I did. I loved it. It's different. It's much more, it's sweet. Like it's a sweet movie. This is not a sweet movie. Mm -hmm. But I've actually, since I I saw Booksmart so recently, and I won't go into that because that just came out. I don't Mm want to spoil it for anyone. But I was kind of thinking, I don't know if Mean Girls could get made today because it is like a lot sharper around the edges. And I was trying to think of a comparable teen movie. And I was thinking of um, Easy A. I think that came out in like 2010, 2011 Mm. with Emma Stone. Right. Mm -hmm. That was kind of more like Mean Girls in the sense of um, more sarcastic than heartwarming. Hmm. Um, but yeah, Bookmark, Booksmart was so good. I didn't see 8th so Grade. Good. Did you see that? Oh my gosh, 8th Grade is so Is that a so sweet, that's sweet as well? Yeah, and that's just much more um, about the main character and mm-hmm. her. It's like more about her relationship with her dad. Mm-hmm. And also um, I think it's... I would be... I'm crying already. It's I can't so see that. good. But it's also less overtly funny, right? Like I think right, Booksmart is, uh, is a comedy. This is a comedy. Yeah, it was much more of just a coming of age. Yeah, it's funny that you say this movie has sharp elbows for its time, but I guess it does. It's true that now you wouldn't see something like this. Even though to me, Mean Girls seems actually really sweet by the very fact that it has yeah. this yes. this ending where everybody is yeah. redeemed to some extent and that the world looks so much better than, again, to compare it to Heather's. Yes. Uh, you know, the difference between... Spoiler for Heather. Spoiler for Heather. Winona Ryder's character becoming friends with the yes. one girl as if like, okay, now we're going to at least have some sort of real friendship, mm-hmm. which is just two people versus this, where it's like the whole school and whole community yes. has changed. Uh, though then they acknowledge the fact that these things can come back around by right. having the younger plastics. I wanted to play one of the funny clips from the end of the movie where Tim Meadows is trying to heal the community and fails and so then calls upon Tina Fey to try and teach them lessons to the school. Now what we're gonna try to do is fix the way you young ladies relate to each other, okay? Lady to lady. So who has a lady problem that they like to talk about? Yes. Somebody wrote in that book that I'm lying about being a virgin because I use super jumbo tampons, but I can't help it if I've got a heavy flow and a wide set vagina. Yeah, I can't do this. Miss Norberry, you're a successful, intelligent, caring, graceful woman. I am. There has to be something that you can say to these young ladies, something to help them with their self-esteem. It's not a self-esteem problem. I think they're all pretty pleased with themselves. <sighs> okay. Okay. Uh, everybody close your eyes. All right. I want you to raise your hand if you have ever had a girl say something bad about you behind your back. Open your eyes. Now, close your eyes again. And this time, I want you to raise your hand if you have ever said anything about a friend behind her back. Open them. Uh, It's been some girl-on-girl crime here. Uh, I don't know who the girl is with the wide side vagina who plays her. She's hilarious. She is really funny. She's the one that anyone know her name? Right? Yeah, she was in the music video. It's like Stephanie... Something just because I happen to read that she and Jonathan Bennett were the only two cast members to appear. She's hilarious. I also loved, and I don't know why this kid has not had a bigger career. Rajiv Surenda, mm. fucking hilarious. You know, I looked him up because I thought I saw him in the city, and he's doing like he's pottery a, art. Yeah, <laughs> he's a cali- professional he calligrapher. Was hilarious in this. 
Yeah, yeah he was great. great. Like a role, I think we see more roles like this now with, mm-hmm. with some of the other comic actors that are South Asian and have series and are funny comic actors. He was hilarious in this and so on point and different. And he just didn't really have a career after that. I think also sometimes when kids and teens, they just kind of go on to do something else. Yeah. I guess. I, I read somewhere that he was like Instagram famous a few years ago because he debuted a swole new body. Oh, my gosh. Good for him. Did you see that? I can picture the BuzzFeed headline. He put this photo out. Oh, hello. (laughs) Alex approves. Two thumbs up. (laughs) Can't argue the thing of beauty. Alex, don't objectify him. He's a potter. I'm going to slide into those He was auditioning for Damien. Oh, Yeah, and they were so impressed with him, even though the guy who got Damien, they liked even more, obviously, because they cast him. But they liked him so much that they rewrote the part that he played, which originally was supposed to be Korean. Oh, that's right. And they rewrote it to include him. He's also a calligraphist. Are your wedding invitations sent down? Whatever he does is fine by Alex. Uh, To quote Alex, oh, hello. I appreciate a glow up. Now, I didn't see there is a Mean Girls 2. There is, but I don't think anyone's in it. Except for Tim Meadows. Poor Tim, Tim Meadows. came back. <laughs> That's like one of those Hollywood cruelty things that you can become aware of. Something famous and then you see like Mean Girls 2 and you're like, Tim is still in that. You Probably sure not by choice. Well, I mean, I'm sure they offered him a lot of money. It was made for ABC Family mm. and it wasn't until 2011. So hey, maybe it was good. Could have been, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> mean Girls 2, the plastics are back. The click is more fashionable, funny, and ferocious than ever. It's a bunch Alliteration of Alliteration is also the death knell of comedy. <laughs> now, have you seen Mean Girls on Broadway? I have not, but I would love to. Yeah, why haven't you? Those things cost money. <laughs> Says the woman who probably bought her dog a $400 bed. Ruby deserves nice things. <laughs> Wow, that's very sweet that you're willing to sacrifice. <laughs> so I could go dog. see Mean Girls on Broadway, critically acclaimed, Tony Award winning production, or another bed for my dog. She, she I likes what choice. she likes. Is it a Tony Award winning musical? I don't know that it, I know I've spoken to two people who've seen it. One didn't like it, but one really loved it. But the one that really loved it was a 11 year old girl, uh, one of my nieces, but well, she did love it. Good. Well, Alex. Maybe, you know, in the way that when Jenny was on the podcast for Clue and we got her a Clue necklace with flames mm-hmm. on it. It's beautiful. I've seen Have it. Have you seen it? Gorgeous. Flames. Gorgeous piece of jewelry. Maybe for Alex, the podcast will send Alex <gasps> and a guest. Stop it. To Mean Girls on Broadway. Right. Oh Outside. God. As far as getting a ticket, you'll have to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, we will send you on the train. We'll put you on an Uber. Yeah. <laughs> And then I'm just stuck in Times Square. (laughs) I think that's the least we could do for Alex, considering that she has contributed to the number four most downloaded episode of the podcast, which if you haven't gotten it, you should run right out to your local podcast store, plunk your money down and (laughs) get get the Parent Trap episode. You're going to love it. It's great. One Parent Trap, please. One Parent Trap, please, Mr. Boot. What was it called? The Boot? Kids? The, no, the kids. The, the boxcar kids. I had to say one thing I regret, and it turns out to be the boxcar children. You mean you regret mentioning it? Yeah. Well, it now is, I'm just it, getting roasted. No, it's just like a funny peek behind the curtain of your childhood. And says yeah. more probably about your parents than about you. Because, you know, I love history and stuff. Sure. And yet I haven't... Children, orphan children riding the rails. I mean, that sounds right up my crusty street. punks and well, dogs is a heartwarming tale for any there generation. There is something about like the things that you do as a kid. You just assume that's how everyone lived their yeah. life. I'm like, you didn't read the entire Boxcar Children series. I thought everyone did that. Yeah. Okay, if you watched Alex Inc. or if you read the Boxcar Children, <laughs> please tweet at me. <laughs> at her. <laughs>
please. Anything else on Mean Girls? Do we have any other clips that you want to play, Alex? Any other moments that you enjoyed I'm from the tr- film? Trying to think. Um, when Lizzie Kaplan yells at her in the car. I love that oh, scene. Oh, that's She's a great scene. so good. And that's that kind is of a really good scene. great. Let me yeah. find that. Lizzie Kaplan was great. She was so she good. Was that was really my takeaway. Good. I've seen this movie a million times and then watching it last night. That was my takeaway. She was really good. Okay, here we go. So this is after Lilo's thrown a party at her parents' house. And didn't go to her art it's show. Very it's cool. Mean. Yeah. Oh, God. You dirty little liar. I'm sorry, I can explain. Explain how you forgot to invite us to your party? Janice, I cannot stop this car. I have a curfew. You know I couldn't invite you. I had to pretend to be plastic. (laughs) Buddy, you're not pretending anymore. You're plastic. Cold, shiny, hard plastic. Curfew, 1 a.m. It is now 1.10. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to awesome music and then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness? You know what? You're the one who made me like this so you could use me for your eighth grade revenge. God, see, at least me and Regina George know we're mean. You try to act like you're so innocent. Like, oh, I used to live in Africa with all the little birdies and the little monkeys. You know what? It's not my fault you're, like, in love with me or something. What? Oh, no, she did not. See, that is the thing with you plastics. You think that everybody is in love with you when actually everybody hates you. Like Aaron Samuels, for example, he broke up with Regina, and guess what? He still doesn't want you. So why are you still messing with Regina, Katie? I'll tell you why, because you are a mean girl. You're a bitch. Here, you can have this and won a prize. And I want my pink shirt back! I want my pink shirt back! She's so good. She's great. What else has Lizzie Kaplan done? That Showtime show. Masters of Sex. Yes, and she was the in the interview with James Franco and Seth Rogen. Oh, that's right. James Franco, oh. who auditioned for what's Aaron Samuel? Yeah. Did he Aaron really? Samuels. So he wouldn't have been a good Aaron Samuels. Jonathan Bennett was apparently, he auditioned, like James Franco, did not get the role. Somebody else was cast, and during the read-through, they were like, ugh. We made the wrong choice. Oh, really? They fired that per- but I couldn't find who that person was. What's Castle Rock? I wonder Rock? if it wonder was if it, James. I wonder if is it that was a, James. Is that a Stephen King thing? Yeah, it's a Hulu series hmm. that I guess is sort of in the oh, interesting. SKCU. People, I, I've only seen a couple episodes of it, but people say it's great. Well, people say everything's great, Chris. The preponderance of people. People say Alex Inc. is great. People. <laughs> Lizzie Kaplan. Did you know that Das Boat is a TV series? What? This is the problem with the time that we're living in right now. She's in that. There's too much TV. Do you remember we were uh, talking about A Name of the Rose a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, and I saw that. And and now it is a TV series. Come on, stop. Obviously, the people at Stars are listening to this show. (laughs) Look, she's like all dramatic in Das Boat. Vicky Kripes is in that. (gasps) Who's Vicky Kripes? Oh my gosh, did you see Phantom Thread? Yes. No. God, I was so annoyed at that idea of that. It's so good. Really? It was good. good. Why do I care about the trials and tribulations of some 18th century fashion designer? Uh, 20th century. Well, 1940s, <laughs> I believe. But why do I care? Because it's um, it's a great director and a great actor. Uh, it's actually about some a little bit. Uh, there's also a little bit more to it than you realize. Well, it's like his sister kills him or he kills his sister because she's in his way or something. Uh-uh. No. Oh, no. There's some twist like that. Oh, he's a fashion designer. He lives with his sister and he's incapable of having relationships. And in the end, he kills his sister. Sure, yeah. we'll go with that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I. Uh, I'm not going to gonna say spoiler alert for Phantom Thread because that's because not what happens. The memes to come out of Phantom <laughs> Thread are worth it. Were there memes coming out? No. 
In my not like Mean Girls. I mean, right? They haven't had the same staying power. Those have lasting staying power. I mean, the only reason why I stuck with Game of Thrones was for the memes. Really, Really? (laughs) she did it all for the memes. (laughs) The things I do for memes. Um, Okay, well, if we've exhausted that, let's move on to. Well, I have to say, sadly, there is no Columbo Cinematic Universe connection. So I know that will be a significant disappointment to you, Chris. And I love that. I love that sound effect. If nothing else, we can still play it. Cinematic Universe. Ah, one more thing. I bet if I dug deep enough, I could find one, but I was hoping maybe like Lorne Michaels appeared on one. No, (laughs) no such luck. Bullcast and Crew is brought to you by Two Different Guys on a Bench, a new comedy series from American Vandal star Ryan O'Flanagan. Two Different Guys on a Bench, where Ryan talks to Ryan on a bench. We keep the comedy simple, folks. Two different guys on a bench videos can be found now on Facebook at Chuckler Comedy. Like and follow Chuckler for the latest and greatest short form comedy videos. Chuckler, original comedy delivered daily. All right, well, Alex, we're going to have to break so you can go get your TV guide. Go get my homework that I didn't do. Yes. Chris, do you know how to pause the podcast or do you just keep it rolling? Um, she's just let's right keep it rolling. Let's keep she's it rolling. She's not going to go too far. Let's talk about her like in Mean Girls fashion while she's gone. What is she wearing? Know, did you see how she put her hair up in that bun? It's so weird. Those glasses. Those glasses. I get it. It's like, God, who do you think? Oh, and somebody said, hey. Oh, hey, girl. <laughs> how are you? Okay, so this is Latchkey TV. Hello? Now, Alex, from what we've learned, you may not have had a television <laughs> because you were not. too busy playing the with no, stick dolls no, TV in and the box car. God's eye woven toys. <laughs> but had I had a television. <laughs> this is what you would have been watching. Um, Shoot, I didn't tag my, I know it was Thursday. Another fun fact I'll use to fill, Chris, Katie is named Katie, C-A-D-Y in Mean Girls because she is named after Tina Fey's college roommate. Wow. Who was named Caddy? Katie. It's pronounced Katie. It's pronounced Katie. Caddy. C-A-D-Y, Katie. So I didn't highlight my selections yesterday. <laughs> um, but so I come home from school around three, right? Okay. Um, I'm going straight for Lassie. I got to do it. Wow. Three o'clock Lassie. Is there a log line? No. Well, none of the, this is just no. a schedule. There's no log lines. Well, there are log lines. There are descriptions. There's like a couple, but not for everything. Well, so maybe, maybe you gravitated towards the shows that had log lines. Okay, well, here's. <laughs> maybe instead of actually caring about the dog, it'd be like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you actually cared about the content. None of the three o'clock shows have log lines. I'm going with On Lassie. the day that you chose. On the day that I chose. Okay. But, well, what I really, originally what caught my eye about this particular Thursday was a log line from I Love Lucy. It made me laugh. Lucy incites the usual ruckus when Ricky forgets their anniversary. Doesn't that sound like every episode of I Love Lucy? I'm sure. Whenever they use the, the word usual the or usual like ruckus. the same crap that she Bad did last Ricky. week. Men have been letting women down for centuries. And then, okay, at 4.30, we're changing the channel to Little House on the Prairie. Ooh. Part one. Laura instantly senses that the new school marm's brother... Dean Butler, is the man she will marry. Wow. Wait a minute. Laura? Little Laura? Little Laura instantly um, senses. Wow. Talk about sexualizing these yeah. school children. Yeah. Do you children. think that's an episode sort of about crushes and sort of being gently let down by the teacher's brother or whatever the hell he was? I mean, the I really hope that's oh, how. The school yeah. marm. <laughs> that's what we said the back school in the 19th. Now, children. <laughs> Honorable mention to the People's Court. Ooh. Cases involve broken Christmas cookies and an injured cat. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. Yeah, before you get your hopes up, that's not the same case. Those are two separate cases. Right. These are totally well, how different do you know? events. I mean, maybe the say cat- cases include. Oh. For the Lord, like, that does say, at least it's not. You know what I'm a big fan sexualizing of? sexualizing her. It's the her cat? crush. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm still back on Laura Ingalls Wilder. Oh, I'm a big fan of Hot Bench. Do you ever catch that at the gym? Hot Bench. Hot no. Bench is a three-judge panel show. It's kind of uh-huh. like the Judge Wapner of its time now. But there are three judges with three different personalities. It's oh, very wow. entertaining. Um, Do they yeah. argue? The judges? Like, does one say, like, I think he's not guilty. He's like, what? You're crazy. That guy's obviously guilty. And the other person's like, what? You know, they don't really. They all kind of, somehow it works, even though they're all kind of, like, unified in <laughs> their kind of like, dude, no, you completely are not winning this case. It's just propaganda. Um, there was a great one the other day, speaking of memes, there's a guy that appeared on the show who was wearing a tie, but it wasn't actually tied in a knot. It was just folded over. And they were like, either this guy is so far fashion forward that he's like past knotted ties, or he's never had to put a tie on in his life and has no idea how to do it. Uh, that sounds depressing if he's like, I just have never had yeah, a tie. Like I, lived, I grew like up that. in a boxcar. It, like, like, it looked like boxcar Willie. All right, Alex, general. what else you got on TV Guide? So five o'clock, I'm probably going to go with Star Trek. Mm. Kirk takes dangerous steps to restore the status quo on a primitive planet where the Klingons are escalating the development of weapons. Wow. Mm, that sounds deep for sounds a Star Trek. metaphorical, doesn't it? I, I thought the first mandate was first do no harm. That's the Hippocratic Oath. Oh. But, right, the prime directive, prime directive is to not interfere with the cultural's natural progression. But if the Klingons have already been doing that, this is why it's desperate. Oh, you know, okay. Desperate. So wait, it's not the it's not Klingon society. The Klingons have come to this additional society to meddle, and he is returning yeah. it to its original. This is what, right? That's the, that, that sounds a little white savior to me. Maybe this is my lack of Star Trek knowledge, but it sounds like the Klingons were already there. Yes, escalating the development of the weapons. Yeah, but not right. in their own oh, culture. A, um, is it a Klingon planet or a? Uh, I yeah. don't know. Uh, no, a primitive planet. Yeah. Whatever that means. I think he is battling the Klingons to return the planet right, to its to th- primitive state, so that the Starfleet could then right, take advantage right. of it themselves. <laughs> Restore the status quo so that they can probably muck it all Yeah, that's again. true. And again, it, you know, in Restore the 80s, the, I was just saying, Starfleet. The, the phrase Restore the status quo yeah. means something very different. It's pretty loaded. Yeah, who hey, you Klingons? Hands off those resources. Those belong to us that don't belong to us. <laughs> Um, so then at six, I've never, I don't even know what this is, but it sounded good to me. Safe Harbor. When a troubled teenager is rescued from the ocean by a Japanese girl and her grandfather, he learns a valuable lesson about optimism and hope. Is this a magazine show or a fictional show? Um, It says drama. So I'm assuming. Oh, okay. Yeah. Safe Harbor. I wonder if it's a story of teens in peril learning lessons. That so sounds... If you're floating in the ocean, What's it called might again? as well be optimistic. It's called Safe Harbor. That sounds like one of those stickers you see around New York and you don't know what it is, where it's like if you're a kid that's like lost, you can go into the store. Have you seen those? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. One of those? Or you can like leave the baby cult? there. Um, I hope not. I always not. feel like that's like a <laughs> cult thing. <laughs> It'd be re- too bad. Um... Well, this is not the Safe Harbor. This is the Australian TV series Safe Harbor from the current. Hmm. Any stars in Safe Harbor? Oh, uh, sorry. A troubled teenager, James McNichol. Oh, Jimmy McNichol. Sure. Uh, M-C-N-I-C-H-O-L. Yeah, you, you don't have to spell Jimmy McNichol, okay? I couldn't tell if you were being sarcastic. No. <laughs> you don't know Jimmy McNichol? No, I thought you were joking. Is he brothers with Chrissy McNichol? I think he is. That's a handsome family. Jimmy McNichol. Um, he was a teen idol and yes, he is the brother of Christy McNichol years active. 
1974 present, so still out there doing it. He appeared in such things as Smokey Bites the Dust, Butcher, Baker, Nightmare Maker. Which is a fantastic title. And Reason for Living, The Jill Ireland Story. Alex is doing some Googling. I want to see this Jimmy McNichol supposed heartthrob. I mean, look at that IMDb picture. That is. Oh, wow. Look at that mop. Isn't that a good mop? He and Christy, she had a mop too. See? Same hair. Wow, they really did. They might have been, you know, I wonder. Maybe he was like, I can have twice the career. <laughs> you think he was? Because like 70s tomboy thing is in for the Absolute, girl. Yeah. It really is. This specific time period, mm-hmm. they kind of all looked the same, didn't they? Yep. The boys and the girls. Okay. So, I mean, now we're moving into the eight o'clock slot. Ooh, which crime is, time. Some, time. Yeah. Let's get there's dangerous. Some competition. And I wanted to go with Cosby Show, but hashtag canceled. Am I right? <laughs> you are right. <laughs> Never heard of it. Okay, so without so, Cosby. So I'm going to go with this movie called Failsafe from 1964. Well, of course. Because, Great nuclear drama. Yeah, I think it goes with the theme of what's old is new again. Yes. It's like this plot never gets old. Failsafe, 1964. Sidney Lumet, Lumet, directed. Lumet. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> directed this tense <laughs> doomsday thriller about an accidental nuclear attack on Moscow. Henry Fonda, Walter Matthau. Did I say that? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Please don't not know how to pronounce Walter Matthau. I mean, you can say Sidney Lumet. Lumet? Walter Matthau? (laughs) God. That's on an eight. You would watch five minutes of that and change the channel. 100%. You know, they uh, redid it a couple years ago. Do you remember this? And they did it as a live. live. Yeah. What? In 2000. It was ahead of the live trend. Yeah. Wow. I think they did it in black and white. And I think Dreyfus was in it. Uh, I think it was Dreyfus and Clooney. Do you remember where it was on? I, I, I think it was CBS because that uh-huh. was like the tradition, right. you know, back in the day. Broadcast of, live in black and white on CBS. Yeah. And who was in it? George Clooney, Richard Dreyfus, Harvey Keitel, and Noah Weil. E. Wiley. Wiley. You never what? watched DR? No. I mean, my mom did. <laughs> Not to Dagger rub it in. <laughs> in the heart. Wow. <laughs> Boxcars for you, ER for her. (laughs) Wow. Let's end this quickly before Alex throws any more dirt on our coffin. Put me out of my What else do you have, Alex? One last one. All right. Well, it's nine o'clock now. Now you need something. You watch something heavy about nuclear war. So we're going to top it off with some cheers at nine. Great. Norm is promoted to company hatchet man and excels with his unique approach to firing employees. (laughs) Really? I I don't remember that one. I wonder if his approach is not to fire them at all. That's, that's like my first thought. Or does he take them to the bar and get them drunk? That's even better, because that's also business for Sam. That is unique. Okay, Alex, thank you for participating in Latchkey TV. That was a little painful, wasn't it? Well, it was more humiliating oh, than painful. <laughs> painful for everyone. Okay, Chris, now should we move on to Rants and Raves? Yes. As always, Chris, start us off. Do you hear about the goats in Riverside Park? No. So there are goats in Riverside Park. They've been bringing in goats to eat some invasive grasses oh, and yeah. stuff like that. A couple of years ago, it started with poison ivy munching goats. And Do they live there Prospect all the Park. time or do they just unleash them and then put them back in? I think they unleash pens. them and take them away. And they're only there for a couple months. Starting Tuesday, May 21st through August 30th, a herd of goats will be brought in to help clear out the part of the park between 119th and 125th streets. 
an area which is fenced in so the goats hopefully won't be able to run amok on the West Side Highway. Apparently, it's already become a tourist thing for people to go and see the tourists, though. You mean the goats? This is Sorry, a- <laughs> for the tourist thing to go Look, see honey, other tourists. tourists. They go to see and be seen. It's a two-way street. <laughs> is there anything New Yorkers hate more than tourists? Uh, <laughs> like on your way to work, uh, you know? And I, I make such a conscious effort to be like, I know the city needs yeah. them, and yet even still, I'm just like, get the fuck out of my way. Yeah. yeah, I would choose to commute with to- uh, with goats. You can always tell by their clothes. They're wearing like European sneakers. Yeah, windbreakers. They're usually clutching their back. Backpacks clutching too. their backpacks. Meanwhile, my purse is like spilling over. And they're standing the in the middle of the sidewalk, yeah. like looking at their phones and like looking around. Well, the telltale sign is getting to the top of the staircase oh, yes. and then stopping. Sure, because you got to figure out, am I going yeah. right? Am I going yeah. left? <laughs> I better figure it out before I move out of the way of everyone behind me. Though I have to say there are a lot of New Yorkers who also do a lot of the, like the worst is stepping into the train and literally stopping just right. inside they're the like, door. Well, I'm in. Alex, do you have any rants and raves? I wish I would have known that I should have a rant and rave. Well, if you listen to the podcast in the last no, 10, 12 weeks, I know, you would have I didn't know that I was allowed to participate in the rants and raves. Well, you're a guest. You do everything. Most podcasts, like, kick the guests out. You don't have to have any. I'm just I'm just offering you the opportunity to throw something out there that's caught your, your eye in the news recently because I know you're an avid news hound. You tend to appreciate the types of warped stories that I appreciate. You just put in that Jason got me really into some non-famous people's internet drama. I have several people on social media that I follow for this purpose because I'm so fascinated by it. Yeah. But I, aside from Alex, I don't really know who else to try and get into <laughs> these stories the way that I get into them. But I knew that I could send Alex this guy and that she would get it immediately. Yeah, so I'm like settling in. I get to work this morning. I'm settling in, you know, open up the old emails. And Jason's sending me first thing. There's another like chapter last 20 night. 20-minute long videos yeah. to dive into. And I can't stop. It's like once you get into yeah. it. It's just, you got to know more. It's terrible. I only had one rant, but I think by the time this comes out, I will be proven right. So I'd like to go on record right now before the story has turned to stake my claim that what everyone will know to be true by the time this is released, that the Hawaiian yoga hiker story Mm. is bullshit. Okay. Okay. So this is the woman who listened to a voice in her head that told her to go hiking in Maui, I believe it was. Okay. And- She walked in on a trail, parked her car, left her phone, had no water, had no food, set off on a hike. And in her own words, about three miles into the trail, got off the trail to go to sleep. And when she woke up, she was disoriented and became lost in the jungle for 17 days. And she was rescued by a helicopter that just so happened at the Last minute to pass over a waterfall where she was camping out and see her waving and rescued her after 17 days. It's become an international story. I have an unerring sixth sense for these things. And the minute I saw this story, I said, bullshit. Once I started reading the story, it became so obvious. Uh Okay, It's all right there in the detail. Once you learn that you get to the part of the story that says one hour after her parents posted a $50,000 reward for her rescue, she was rescued. Doesn't make any sense. It does not add up. Okay. I don't understand how you go to sleep after a three-hour hike in the middle of the day and then wake up and not know where you are. I mean, you went to sleep. You yeah. didn't, you didn't yeah, yeah. hike sleep for three hours and end up somewhere else. You're on the same log you lay down on. Is it really that hard to get reoriented? I'm not buying the story. And I trust that in three weeks' time, this will be redundant because yes. she will have turned out to be a milkshake duck and- Milkshake wife. Milkshake wife, yes. Alex, 
Educate Chris as to the wife meme. Okay, the wife phenomenon. It's like, where do you start with the wife? Did you hear of Cliff Wife yesterday? No. Cliff Wife is actually useful to explain what we were trying to talk about before. That's a really good example of what we're talking about. Because that's actually how we started talking about this guy. So Cliff Wife, it's become a meme on Twitter, but this YouTuber's wife fell down. I'm putting, I'm doing Also in Hawaii, I believe. His wife fell down a cliff, which... Was 10 feet. I think she kind of rolls and tumbles. And, you so know. So it's a hill more than a cliff. It was this more is a hill. Them. And they oh, posted nice. right after. They posted this tearful YouTube video all about, you know, living life. And every day could be your last. Yeah. And, um, and th- then it was Twitter like, roasted them because basically she fell 10 feet, dude. She's okay. I mean, she didn't break any bones. Yeah. She yeah, yeah, yeah. probably hurt pretty bad. But Cliff wife. I think that was the extent of it. And so everyone starts talking about Cliff wife because if you recalled, you recall curvy wife, thick wife, like what was that, two years ago now? Yeah. That was oh, a guy who wife. posted the praises of his curvy wife, who was Instagram bikini model non-curvy. <laughs> yeah, some guy posted So his great like virtue that. of loving the curvaceous woman. Yeah. Yeah, he like this essay about how he's a saint for loving his <laughs> quite conventionally attractive, beautiful wife. Am I a hero? Cliff Wife is a good example of what we're talking about because it's two people who, at least one of which takes themselves extremely seriously- Mm -hmm. and puts themselves out there in a way that the internet both giveth and taketh away. It's so weird because on the one hand, the internet elevates so much stuff that doesn't deserve to get any amplification whatsoever. But on the other hand, it also unerringly pierces the bubble of things that need their bubbles pierced. The internet is hardly unerring. It does find this random stuff that has no reason to be known. But because this video is so ridiculous... Yeah. It becomes known and gets punctured. Yes, many other things that don't deserve to get punctured get punctured. Yeah. And yeah, so New York Mag wrote this, a brief guide to wife so, guys. Somebody on Twitter <laughs> posted, my wife tumbled off a knoll. Well, yeah, and people were doing hilarious tweets with- um, Oh, the tweets are good. Replacing song lyrics with things about- your wife tumbling down a cliff. Uh-huh. Like, give me a cliff wife and free my soul. <laughs> I want you to tumble from a mid-sized knoll for viral fame. Have you seen Don't Email My Wife Guy? No. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. It's this photo. This has been floating around forever. This photo of someone spray painted, don't email my wife <laughs> in red on someone's garage door. Yeah. So I had an internet only moment where I only retroactively was reminded of the perfect meme to use in a situation that had previously occurred to me online. Uh So uh, I think it was also in the cut had renewed my awareness of the sir, this is a Wendy's Mm -hmm. meme. Are you familiar with that one, Chris? Yeah. So that's one where someone is pontificating overly seriously about something on the internet and is typically punctured by someone simply retweeting or tagging, sir, this is a Wendy's. Um, And I recently had this thing occur where that would have been the perfect rejoinder, but I didn't have it at the time. But since it was published in an article, now I can't use it because then I'm being, you know, I'm I'm only using it because they remind me. Because you read it in the article, yeah. There's got to be a German word for that. Deutsch. You mean like wishing when, that you could or? For, you know, when the, the right meme for a situation presents itself. I don't think Germany has A meme, meme too late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Meme and Freud? Meme and Freud, exactly. Meme and Freud? Yes. A Brief Guide to Wife Guy uh-huh. is a really good read. This just sums up this guy. He made headlines again when he posted a pregnancy announcement referring to his wife as a sacred vessel carrying his seed. Right. 
Oh boy. Also, gamer elf wife guy is a favorite of mine, too. I love him. I didn't even dive into that. Or there's the guy, the LO Hell Twitter account. If you remember that one a few years ago. What is that? Oh, that was when Twitter comic LO Hell made a name for uh, herself as a female internet comedian, racking up 24,000 followers. Her humor was a litany of twee and predictable jokes that routinely wound up on lists like 30 of the funniest women you should be following on Twitter and the 20th funny tweets from women this week. Except, as was later revealed by LO Hell, the person behind the tweets was in fact a man pretending to be his wife online. Uh, oh, I remember He said that. she knew about the bit and was aware he'd used her likeness for the account's avatar. He also, in the same breath, announced that she was divorcing him. <laughs> so, yeah, I knew about it, and I yeah. didn't like it. <laughs> Wife guy. This is what the internet gives us. Well, then let me be the first to say thank you. All right, Chris, what will you be taking us out with? So, until next week, if we're ever going to get to anything like that utopia that Mean Girl says is possible, we got to listen to our hearts and to each other. And when faced with the swell of a wave of toxic media... Please stop it. Stop it now. Turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop Thanks for listening to Full Cast and Crew. I uh, just wanted to remind everyone to subscribe if you haven't already. So you'll get a new episode every Thursday. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So email us at fullcastandcrewpod at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at fullcastandcrew. Or find us on Facebook.